there are a lot of lessons that companies can learn from venture investors. And I think one of the most important ones is the benefits of monthly recurring revenue. There's a reason why venture investors love investing in B2B SaaS companies. Uh, the predictability of those models allows them to command much higher valuations than they otherwise would. They tend to increase the ultimate valuation, the ultimate exit value of your business. You know, while most PE type investments are acquired on an EBITDA basis, B2B SaaS products are acquired on multiples of top line revenue. And part of that is obviously the data. Part of that is obviously the fact that code scales in a way that people don't. But another one of those variables is the fact that they have a monthly recurring base of revenue, which uh, allows them to weather a lot of storms. It's an ideal business model if you can find it. But the great news is, is that monthly recurring revenue models are not constrained to software companies, or at least they don't have to be. And in this episode, I want to talk about how you can do that and what some of the benefits of monthly recurring revenue might be. One of the main ones is that a monthly recurring revenue model virtually eliminates receivable issues. So if you've run uh, a more traditional type of business or a services type of business, you know what it's like to have to run aging reports uh, when you're creating your financial statements, creating follow-up for late payout, trying to uh, time receivables to improve cash flow, having to sometimes write off um, invoices as bad debt. And monthly recurring revenue models eliminate virtually all of this because you charge, typically, you charge the credit card automatically for the customer. And so the impact on a business from a stress perspective and from a predictability perspective is, is really immense. And the time that uh, your bookkeeper or your accountant or your CFO or whoever it is would uh, have to previously spend on collections and on follow-up and things like that become a, a thing of the past and now they get to allocate their time to, toward more predictable tasks. And you can do this even if you're a small business owner, right? Like uh, you can you can use real simple tools. There's a tool called Pay Simple that's um, very easy to use to automatically bill customers. If you're fancy, you can use a tool like Stripe. But the benefit of, of basically eliminating one of the major headaches for cash flow management uh, I think in and of itself is a reason why you should seriously try to find opportunities to pursue a monthly recurring revenue type of model. Monthly recurring revenue models also smooth out cash flow. So if you're a business that has kind of lumpy um, inflows or seasonal inflows, this can be a really strong advantage. So if you're a consulting company that's that you know can go months with no client and then you land some major account, you know that can create a lot of stress for people because you don't know what's going to come in. Um, spreading that out. Uh, even if each individual payment is smaller, can be an effective mechanism. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for services-based businesses to explore uh, more of a monthly recurring revenue type of approach. Similarly, um, seasonal businesses like landscaping companies or tax prep companies or things like that, this would allow you to augment your service offerings with other types of um, services that you can offer. And as a result, you can maintain your round staff, uh, which would be an enormous selling point for businesses like that. The businesses that tend to be seasonal have to deal with a lot of turnover issues and things like that. And so um, being able to smooth out your cash flow over time, I think is another important reason. Monthly recurring revenue models attract better clients. So I worked with uh, an accounting firm uh, in, in, on a coaching uh, capacity that they started offering a fractional CFO service kind of on top of their annual tax prep uh, and bookkeeping service. And what they found was that this service attracted a higher end uh, clientele because they were paying throughout the year. They were more likely to call when they had questions. 
since they were providing updates throughout the year, it actually made tax prep a lot easier. If you've ever worked with your accountant in a business context before, you often find that they are sliding into home plate uh, for tax deadlines because they have to do all the work or, or a meaningful percentage of the work kind of at the last minute. Clients are getting them stuff at the last minute and they're scrambling, right? And often they end up having to extend or things like that. With a, with a model like this, you're getting more regular updates from the client. And as a result of that, you're not necessarily having to slide into home plate quite the same way. And that can be a much less stressful period of time because you've done a lot of the prep work prior to the busy season. And so I thought that was interesting that they felt that the caliber of client went up as a result of having this. And so, uh, you know, ask yourself, is there a way to provide service throughout the year or to spread out work that might be concentrated otherwise in a way that will alleviate some stress for you and for your team, but also will attract better clients as a result? Monthly recurring revenue models also open up better financing options. And so if you have predictable revenue each month, banks are a lot more likely to give you a line of credit. If you've tried to ever get a line of credit, uh, as a service-based business, for example, you found that it's quite difficult. Uh, and there's even uh, platforms these days like Pipe that will allow you to get financing um, using your receivables as collateral. And the reason why they can do that is they know it's it's highly unlikely that you're going to suddenly lose all of those repeating customers. And so they do, I wouldn't be surprised if they do pay attention to things like your rate of churn and things like that. And you probably have to demonstrate a certain track record of the, those receivables being relatively consistent in order to do that. But it's interesting, right, that you can actually get a loan based on the receivables in your company uh, and using that as collateral. So uh, it gives you some better financing options. Now, you know, you don't want to get in the habit of using your line of credit except for emergencies, but it is good to be able to have it if you need it. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned earlier, monthly recurring revenue models make your business capable of being sold, right? And so we, I talk a lot about whether you want to sell your company or not, you want to put your business in a position where it is capable of being sold if you choose to. Um, if you can't create a, cap a business that's capable of being sold, you've effectively just created a job for yourself, right? And when you stop working, the business stops working. And so we want to avoid that. And monthly recurring revenue businesses are simply more attractive businesses for acquirers. They acquire better multiples. They are more likely to want to buy it in the first place. It puts you in a much more advantageous position. And for the same reasons, you should be wanting to pursue that for yourself, right? I often ask, what are the kinds of businesses that a investor would want to buy? And then ask yourself, why wouldn't I not try to create that for myself, right? And you, you want to always ask whether or not the business that you are building is worth it, right? And because if you're not selling it, you're effectively buying it. And so is it worth what you're paying in terms of opportunity cost? And a, a more predictable, more scalable, smoother revenue model is going to give you a better business as an owner. So how do you actually go about transitioning to this? Um, it, you know, you can't just all of a sudden switch it on, but you certainly can over time. And so the first thing is to look at what you have to offer. So if it's a high price point offer and it's a one-time payment, you can offer your customers the opportunity to simply extend their payments over time. Now, there are pros and cons uh, to doing that. So... One of the things that I learned with Startup Land is a lot of recurring SaaS businesses, there is a benefit to you uh, once you have some predictability. There is a benefit to you to getting them to pay for everything up front. And that is, it maximizes, a lot of those businesses are grown on the basis of paid ads. And so return on ad spend is a question. Time to uh, recoup, to break even time is a question. And getting them to pay entirely up front 
allows you to redeploy that money a lot faster back into ads and things like that. Now, if you're a, a startup and your mandate is growth at all costs, that is rocket fuel. You know, you're going to take a lot of that money or a meaningful percentage of that money and you're going to redeploy it back into ads to get more customers into your engine and kind of create this virtuous loop. But you're doing that because you're not necessarily shooting for profitability uh, or things like that. Um, you're, you're shooting for growth and you're, you want to use that to go and show that hockey stick curve and raise more money from investors. But mo there's a reason why most of those startups don't just start with the upfront annual payment. They know for all the reasons that we've already talked about, monthly recurring revenue uh, is a better approach generally. But if you get to a place where you have a lot of uh, stability, then maybe offering both makes sense. One of the other things that you'll learn is that when you take an offer and you spread it out over time, you can actually charge more, right? So one of the things I, I talk with coaching clients and other folks about is this idea of like gross margin. And it's the easiest lever to pull to increase profitability. A lot of people focus on cost, decreasing cost, but raising your prices is the easiest way to increase gross margin. And so if you have, let's say, 12% pre-tax net and you raise your prices by 12%, you've suddenly doubled your profitability, right? And while a 12% increase on top of a, a single flat fee or a single annual payment might create some sticker shock, if you spread that out over the year, the 12% on the smaller monthly payment is much less likely to create angst for people. And so in many cases, you might want to layer in some additional services in order to justify the value prop, right? So I mentioned the example of the landscaping company. What if you had a service that winterized the yard for them, or maybe you provide more winter-friendly landscaping or a wreath or a planter? You know, maybe you, maybe you say, hey, as part of our service, we're gonna put a planter on your front porch, uh, or a couple, and uh, every three months, we're gonna replace it with flowers that are kind of seasonally appropriate, right? If you're a professional service firm, you could offer a service similar to kind of that fractional CFO model, right? You could provide quarterly reviews of work, initiatives related to their areas of expertise. You could do a monthly call to check in and make sure that things are going well. You wanna get creative in terms of how you do this. You don't wanna just split it up into, you know, divide it by 12 and uh, and just assume that it's gonna be the same. You probably do need to tweak your offer a little bit, but you can get kind of creative there. There's two, two major considerations that you wanna keep in mind when you transition to something like this. The first one is onboarding, right? Or what many people in startup land call customer success. You wanna make sure that during those first 30 days, you're providing a absolutely delightful knock your socks off experience because that'll be the period when people kind of have um, buyer's remorse. And so you wanna look at your value proposition and ask yourself like, is there anything that we can do uh, to get them a quick win as quickly as possible if it's a consulting type of engagement or make them feel reassured that they made the right choice. And once they feel good about that choice, they're much more likely to stick around long-term. There's a very disproportionate impact that the first 30 days has on a services engagement uh, or you know, with product onboarding. I mean, one of the things that I taught my students at Kellogg is if you look at retention curves for startups, um, they all end up, for the most part, they usually end up tapering off over time. And the biggest drop is in that first 30 days. Uh, in other words, like somebody downloads your product or signs up for your product and uh, it doesn't serve their needs the way that they thought and then they cancel. And the biggest drop off is in that first 30 days. And what we have found is that if you can increase the day 30 retention rate by 5% or whatever it is, it tends to project itself out over the rest of that customer's lifetime. And so it's an example of a leading indicator where if you make changes and improvements to your onboarding or first time experience, that will often 
uh, end up translating in more uh, an increased customer lifetime, more revenue down the road. And I would imagine that the same thing is probably true in a services context. The other area is around uh, customers who are considering canceling. One of the things that you have probably noticed if you have uh, canceled, if you've used a SaaS product and then you've canceled it later on, is they put a lot of effort into designing an offboarding experience that A, is easy and not frustrating. So like if you've ever tried to cancel your gym membership, right? Uh, you know, the exact opposite thing has happened. Um, at the same time, they design these triggers and calls to action to try to keep you as a customer. So maybe they will consider a short-term discount or they'll pause the subscription uh, if the customer says they have a money issue or whatever it is. And so I would encourage you to kind of do teardowns and become a student of offboarding processes because I think a lot of those principles can apply to your business as well. Those design patterns uh, can apply to you. So look at onboarding, designing a delightful onboarding experience. Look at offboarding and how you can um, bake some triggers in to try to keep that customer if they're thinking about canceling with something cheaper or uh, pausing or whatever it is. So that's it. Monthly recurring mo revenue models, I think, are just simply better, right? And I think that a lot of companies can take advantage of them if they get a little bit creative. Uh, and even if you're skeptical of it, I think it, it's worth it, at least as a thought exercise. And you might surprise yourself with what you come up with and the upside in terms of your ability to raise prices, which increases margin, your ability to smooth out cash flow, your ability to eliminate receivables, and your ability to ultimately increase the value of your business, I think are all very compelling reasons to at least try to explore if there's an opportunity for a monthly recurring revenue business.